If you're wondering how to turn your expertise into high profit programs, and what content should you actually even choose so that your clients will buy, then this episode is for you. You're listening to the Dynamic Women Podcast. Each week, you'll be inspired by our global community of women. They'll share with you tools and stories to help you be dynamic in every area of life. He's your host, award-winning coach, and the CEO and founder of Dynamic Women, Diane Ralston. Hello, lovely Dynamic Women, and welcome to the Dynamic Women podcast. I am Diane Ralston, your host, with Nancy Gear. Nancy Gear is going to talk about bundle your brilliance, turn your expertise into high profit programs. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. It's been a rough week. I've been recovering from COVID. So I'm bringing every bit of energy I have today to this talk. (laughs) So Nancy, let's start off, just share a little bit more about you. Okay. Well, I have been working in the course creation space since before it was cool. I've got over <laughs> I've got over 30 years of experience creating courses for companies of all sizes huh. from solopreneurs to Fortune 50 companies any type of content any type of delivery platform you can imagine I've, wow. you know been there been there done been that there, done that yeah and I think that what has happened kind of to dovetail onto the the, the prior talk in this group is during the pandemic everybody rushed to put courses online because really anybody, anybody with a computer can create an online course. And and that's a good thing. And it's a bad thing because there's some core principles around good design that are missing from a lot of the content that's out there, Hmm. which prompted me to go, you know what? It's not about what I know about any particular topic. It's really me helping other people to bundle their brilliance and turn it into something that really showcases who they are. Yeah. And you're so right about, you know, everyone seemed to become a coach. Everyone seemed to become an expert overnight. A lot of people, yes. Yes. there's a lot of, (laughs) there's a lot of, I call Mickey mouse programs and coaches out there. So when it comes to course creation, what is your client's biggest challenge and how do you help them? Well, the biggest challenge that people have is they're overwhelmed by the amount of information that they have. They've got a lot of content. It exists in all different types of formats. And, uh, you know, the question is, how do I take this? How do I pull it together? And how do I turn it into something that's going to be useful? That's actually Mm -hmm. going to be a course. It can be quite overwhelming. You know, that, that is, it's, it, it's, um, I had one time somebody said to me, I'm not even sure what to put in an outline. And it's, you know, it's, it, and they get overwhelmed and then they, and then they stall. Yeah. So they, they're an expert in what they're talking about. They just, they just don't know that piece of how to put it together, how to put it together in, yeah. into, into a course type of a format, whether yes. it be uh, doing something virtual, you know, as we are now on zoom or having it be evergreen content, Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, that people can consume um, yeah. any, anywhere, anytime. Yeah, because there's two aspects of it. There's the curriculum development piece of yes. it, and then there's the technology and how it's packaged together. So what is one tip that you can offer that's been a real game changer for you and your clients? Well, what, one of the 
it, it, people want to rush and move immediately into evergreen content yeah. and they're not always not always ready to do so. So I recommend that you you try out your content in a Zoom format and you record it and then you and you go back and you look at it and think, well, mm. what can I repurpose from this and yes. what isn't going to work? Now having said that, it's important to sort of to block your content out into small sections before you do the webinar. Mm -hmm. Because when people are consuming it in the evergreen format, the videos need to be, you know, as short as you can make them. Yeah. Not three Um, hours in one. Right. Right. You know, (laughs) so if you try to just take it and go, okay, I did the webinar and I'm going to, I'm just going to put something on a nice little intro and outro on it. I have a course. No, you have a recording. So what you want to do is plan through the webinar and think about, well, how many discrete segments are there? And one way to be able to be able to leverage most of the recording yeah, is to come on, you know, do your da, 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 talk. And then when you get to the end of a segment, pause and smile at the camera and then ask, <laughs> other, any, any, ask for any questions, take the questions, pause and smile again. Uh, what that does is it creates a clean space for you to edit and have the, to have good transitions between your, your segments you can either build the transition into when you're doing the webinar and say, you know, we just talked about X. Now we're going to yeah. talk about Y, or you can always drop those in later. But mm-hmm. just doing that very simple shift makes it easier to transition from the webinar to the evergreen content. Yeah. And you're also wanting, you want your, your students, your clients to succeed Yes. And so by breaking it down, it makes it manageable. You might think, oh, it's totally manageable to sit there for three hours and do this, No, but it's not. And when I'm even 30 minutes, <laughs> yeah, well, it helps them to, to feel like, oh, I just completed that. Yay. So that's, yeah. that's a, that's a really good tip as a game changer. So what type of content do you feel works best for an online course? Well, the, I'm going to flip it the other direction. When you think about what you can't do online, yeah. I worked on a project for uh, a, a utility, Pacific Gas and Electric, uh, and it was a welding curriculum. Ooh. Now, at some <laughs> point, they have to pick up the torch and actually weld yeah, something. Yeah. So, so if it's something that people need to really practice and it they, they that they can't do it, you know, if you... It's like I, I taught something on presentation skills and a lot of people were like, I, I'm just going to come to the course, but I don't want to do a presentation. Well, then there's no point in being in the course. So you have to, uh, when you're taking them to that evergreen format, think through what is it that they can actually practice that I will be able to give them feedback on. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, what does the feedback loop have to look like? Do you need to actually observe somebody doing something? Do you need to observe somebody in a sales conversation? Really not practicalness, maybe you have them send in a tape, but then they got to get permission to record. And then that, that can get to be quite awkward. So you have to think about kind of what's, what's the end to end experience look like and Mm -hmm. segment out, this is going to work online. So going back to that same example, there's a lot of math skills involved in that work. You could teach the math skills online, but when they get to actually having to do the more physical part of the job, this is not going to work. Yeah. So it really depends on the content that is being shared. Yes. And and I'm just imagining uh, if you were, my dad was a welder, my brother's a welder. Okay. <laughs> uh, they're both boilermakers. I think the topic is very boring, but you gave a really good example of like, how would you test that 
is it like where they go, here's my medal, here's my blowtorch or whatever. And here's, and now here's me joining and here's the finished product. Like, is that how it is done? So you really have to think big picture here with the topic. So it's not just cookie cutter. Every program, every online course is going to be this way. The content really drives the way that you're going to design the course. Yeah. Yeah. So what can I do to make my course interactive or what can people do to make their course interactive, engaging, maybe fun? <laughs> how, how do we do that? Well, there's some interesting tools that are out there that, you know, the first part is with adults, you know, the first bar, if you will, is relevance. Is this content important to me? Is it relevant to what I do? Is it going to solve the problem yeah. that I have. That's, that's yeah. the first part is, you know, is it, is it targeted to really meet a specific need? Mm-hmm. Then once you define that, and then you look at how you want to put it all together, that's then where the, uh, the engagement types of strategies come in. Okay. Now, when we think about engagement, we think sometimes people think, well, you know, I've got to be entertaining and I've got to, you know, got to yeah. have all these bells and whistles. Anytime there's a, the first level of engagement is whenever you shift from one modality to another, that's engagement. Or when something changes, when there's a scene change in a video. I had an epiphany on United Airlines watching a safety briefing. I know that's my, my life sounds kind of, well, no, depends this is, on where I was going. Great because it like, it reminds everyone that you should always be looking for how other people are doing things. And so I'm imagining you're sitting there on the plane, you're watching this yes. safety briefing and you go, oh, so what was the insight you had? The insight that I had was every time there was a new key point, we all know, put on your seatbelt, the mask, each time they shifted, the scene changed. Hmm. And not only did the scene change, but it was travel to fabulous locations. So they had two things going on there. One was I was paying attention because I wanted to know where we were going to go next. And yeah. the other was, you know, I've always wanted to go to Bali. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. So they got, so there were two things yeah. going on there. There was part of it was the, the messaging around what's next, what could the experience be, but they held my attention because every time there was a new point, scene change, scene change. So when you think about creating your courses, your scene change could be as simple as a slide change. It could also be going from being on camera to showing a graphic, to showing a video. So every time there's a shift, you you know, you're getting, that's keeping people's attention. So much of engagement is about keeping people uh, where where they're paying attention. Now, next flight on United, flight attendants in the aisle, I'm yeah, I'm going to read my book. <laughs> hey, I also, I don't have it um, rigged up because it's not quite the right thing for this setting, but I use a tool called Ecamm and I yeah. have a stream deck. I'm going to hold this little guy up yeah. here. Ecamm's this awesome. Is, this is the hardware. So, you know, Ecamm, and that allows you to just in the space that you're in, do some different things, have a, have a countdown timer at the beginning, yeah. um, being able to move, you know, make your point on your slide, but then go back to how we are now in seeing some of you, I can see in the boxes, some of you, I can't, but I know you're out there, but to be able to then look at the camera and engage with people instead yeah. of staying on a slide forever. True. Yeah. So it gives you the ability to, to mm-hmm. kind of 
come back and forth, which is very engaging. And yes. it can even be as simple as recording yourself here sitting, then kind of move closer to the camera, record yourself, um, stand back, be full body view. And so mm -hmm. that's maybe an easy way people can do it. Now you mentioned modality. And so that might be for some people who are not familiar with creating online courses, like what yes. are the different modalities that you can bring in? So then if you're doing an online course, one, uh, you, you, so typically the, with the tools that are available, there's usually a, a video and then other, other ways of, of connecting to people. So you could have a PDF. That's a personal reflection exercise. Mm, okay. So you go through a particular topic and then you ask people to some questions about it that they'll do. They'll maybe do some some journaling. Then you can look at bringing in using knowledge checks. And knowledge checks is a nice way of saying a quiz. And one of the decisions you want to make is, do I need to really test for understanding? Or is this just a way for them to kind of, to keep them engaged by asking them a couple of questions? The questions need to be relevant to the content, not just kind of like a, Hey, what did you have for lunch today? Cause people are, people will <laughs> just tune out on that kind of thing. Yeah. Then I've got a couple of tools that I really like. Mm -hmm. One is by Amy Clymer, C-L-I-M-E-R. And she has something called Climber cards with a Climber card. Uh, she took sort of what you would use in an in-person setting and made it virtually. There's a series of cards and each one has a different image on it. And so you could ask people a question like how, which card represents how you're feeling about where you are in the course creation process. That's something that I would do. Uh, okay. so the cards online, and then it, it flips over people then write on the card, what their thoughts are. And then you can, then you can share everything with the group. So that's a, a really interesting tool and it's very easy and it's not very, very pricey. Yeah. Then there's also a, a product called Mentimeter which allows you to ask questions, turn them into kind of a, a quiz, sort of a, a game show type of a format oh, nice! where people are competing. So if you do something like that, you know, that works in the, in the Zoom environment. You can also uh, have people ask them, ask a similar question to what I asked, but say, tell me one word that describes where you are in the process right now. Mm. And then they would type in and it produces a word cloud. So those are those are some interesting things that you can do that just mix that mix it up a bit. Uh, when you're in the evergreen spot, you're you know the limitation is on what type of files will whatever platform you're on accept. Mm. And one thing that oh thank you for typing in that Mentimeter. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> thank thank you. you. If there's a it's Kahoot K A H O O T. Yeah. And you can use Kahoot in this type of a setting. Or you can uh, have it work in an evergreen setting. You can you can upload the file there so people can then do it independently. And that's really, they feel like they're playing a game. So if you feel yeah. that actually having some type of a quiz or knowledge check is important to your content, yeah. those tools kind of, they make it more fun. Can you share a little bit more about what Kahoot does? Just for Yeah, so um, what happens is you, you give everybody a code and then uh, from the code, that what they do is they they actually put the code into their cell phone, and then and that's where they take the the answer the the question. So it yes. comes up on the screen, and then there's four there's four boxes. Each there's like red, yellow, blue, and green, and then they pick the box that corresponds with the with the right answer, and they're they're evaluated on 
getting it right, but how quickly they get it right. So it yeah. becomes this, you know, oh, it's, you know, it's now, now we're, now we're, now we're competitive. Yeah. Now we're playing a yeah. game, people. This is going to be awesome. So, and then at the end, uh, everybody ends up on like the Olympic podium, the first, second, and third yeah. person. And I know someone who's used it very successfully. Uh, her business is helping project. I think it's project managers. Uh, one of the things is how do they prepare for the exam? So instead of going through a real boring, you know, quiz that they might do, you know, multiple choice quiz, she turned it into a Kahoot, which gave people incentive. Yeah. Uh, and because, and I think when you're playing a game, there's something about that that there's a, a higher level of retention because you're so much more invested because you're playing a game and you want to win. You're giving us some really great ideas of how to bring in these other levels of engagement into our into our courses. And I know how I am when when there is a game. I'm like, oh, we're going to be playing a game. I'm going to pay attention so I know what the answer is. And then there's this like kind of edge of my seat kind of vibe. Um, they did it at the CAPS conference, Canadian Association of Professional Speakers oh, conference. Good. They did it co- some Kahoot games. And, you know, the, the typical people who are super competitive, it was just funny. And it also engaged the chat box as well, because then people were were like, oh, of course, so-and-so, you know, is is trying to get in there. And it was, it was fun. And there was camaraderie. Now, you've had your career, you've been doing the online co- yeah. courses, you help people, but what's made the biggest difference in your career? The biggest difference in, in my career, I've got to go the way back, go in the way back machine. Oh, yeah. Peabody and Sherman, those are people that are out there that of a certain age, you know, uh, Sherman and Peabody. But early in my career, when I was asked to do a course, and this is in, was just, you know, a classroom type of a deal. And I'd never done it before. And I, I, mm. I said, sure. Okay, I'll, I'll do this. And, you know, it, it went okay. I bumped along and it, it probably could have been a whole lot better. And then a couple of jobs later... I was put in a with a cohort of about 30 people and we worked for a company at that time it was called Applied Learning and it was all about creating at that time um, computer aided instruction this is before the before the web so now you all know how old I am two two throwback references and I learned about instructional design mm. which is a whole methodology for course creation yeah. Not only did I learn about it, but I had a quality assurance manager and a regular manager who evaluated everything that I did and wow. told me, here's what you need to do to make it better. Here's what you need to do to make yep. it better. Well, that's going on. They brought in a university and we were getting all in a master's degree program. So we're working on our master's on our lunch hour. We're getting all of this wonderful feedback. And so it really cemented a lot of solid design principles yes. in me, which I think has just served me very well in my career. And as part of why I am doing more done with you work at this point in my life, because it's, it's an opportunity for me to give back from yeah. that very powerful experience that I had of somebody yeah. that had my back and kept saying, here's what you can do to make it better. Awesome. Yeah. We've been talking a lot the past couple of days about Kate's uh, cheerleaders, accountability, teammates, experts, and support. And you're speaking <laughs> to how a lot of those pieces come in. So you have a free gift. So tell us about yes. it. What I did is I have a, it's a very short ebook and it's called eight strategies to create training that sells. And it's the outline uh, or it's an outline of the process. It takes the, 
that I use on every type of project. So it's a very simplified version of the instructional design process just to give you a sense of really what what should the end-to-end look like to go from idea to implementation. Brilliant. What are your final thoughts that you want to share about course creation? Final thoughts. Well, be intentional when you design your course. And, And I'm always looking at other places to inspire me. Yeah. And I encourage you to sort of, let's just take it a, a bit from the entertainment industry. You can look at a, we can have a, a story, great stories, right? And the story often starts in a book. Hmm. And then the book becomes a play and the play becomes a movie. And then the movie becomes a TV show. Each of these are wonderful ways to engage in, in a story. Each has constraints and opportunities that need to be taken into consideration. If you try to do um, a movie in the same way that exactly have it exactly match the book, you might be in the theater for eight hours. <laughs> so when and it you can be boring, it can be boring. Be like, really, you know, like imagine Michener. <laughs> That's why they did Centennial as a miniseries. When you're looking at designing your courses. What you do when you're live and in person, that's one way of working with people. When you move into the Zoom space, it's another way of of teaching. And then when you go to the evergreen space, it's yet another way. Each one, just like entertainment, has opportunities and constraints that you want to take into consideration when you create Um. your course. Yeah. Yeah. And the, so the piece is no matter where people that are listening are at, whether if you have, if you don't have a course, be intentional in creating it and know that you have different, different ways of bringing it to fruition. And for those who already have a course, I encourage you to go back to it and think, how can I bring in some other modalities, some other ways, or do I really just need to record this again? Because it wasn't with the students' uh, success in mind. And then if you have courses and they're going well, then how can you bring it into another completely different modality? There's so many different pieces here. Um, I really appreciate it, Nancy, all Mm -hmm. all the different pieces that you're bringing. It's always, you don't want to wait to be perfect, but just keep improving. We're very lucky that we can, that the way technology is that, it, you can swap things out. If you record in pieces, like you said, yes. right? It's much easier to flip out one piece than it yes. is to have to redo the whole area. Thank you so much, Nancy, for everything you shared today. I'm sure our listeners are going to love all of it. And if you want to connect with Nancy, get her gift, all of that information will be in the show notes. Thank you for listening to the Dynamic Women podcast, where we bring you shows from me, giving you all types of content around how to be more dynamic in your life and in your business, as well as interviews with amazing women like we did today. If you have a guest suggestion, please email team at dianerolston.com. Now's the time to hit subscribe, write your review, and make sure you tune in next week for our next episode. See you then. Stay dynamic. Bye. dynamic women for joining us today please hop on over to itunes to subscribe and leave us a review who do you know who needs to hear our message we'd love it if you'd share our channel with your friends and family if you're ready to be more dynamic have more balance and more success 
head over to www.dynamicwomenclub.com forward slash free gift for your key to success book. Stay dynamic.